specifically in the New Testament, one who attached himself to a spiritual leader such as Jesus. Right? Another um, commentary or another um, authority, the Bible Exposition Commentary, says the term disciple was the most popular name for the early believers. But being a disciple meant more than being a convert or church member. A disciple attached himself to his teacher, identified with him, and learned from him and lived with him. He learned not simply by listening, but also by doing. The closest contemporary word to disciple is apprentice. Because a disciple is more than a student who learns lessons by means of lectures and books. He's one who learns by living and working with his teacher in hands-on experiences. So the scripture I want to direct you to this morning is James chapter 1. And I would like this scripture to shape the rest of your spiritual lives until you see Jesus face to face. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, just, just a few short verses, and we're going to walk through them this morning. Here's what James writes. He says, Be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, they're like a person who looks intently at their natural face in a mirror. But they look at themselves and go away and at once forget what they were like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, that one will be blessed in their doing. So, verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The word for deceiving uh, means cleverly lying to ourselves, deceiving ourselves by false reasoning, um, and bluntly, it means we're delusional. James wants to contrast whole life apprentice discipleship with what he would call delusional discipleship. Delusional discipleship is when we hear something from God and then we immediately forget it. And the sad thing is that I'm really good at delusional discipleship. And here's how I find it in myself. There are times when I preach the sermon on Sunday And on Monday afternoon, I can't even remember what it was that God said. As soon as the amen happens in church, it's like, poof, it's gone. I find that that there are times when I have a spiritual conversation, and an hour later, I don't remember what the Lord said. There are times when I do my, my personal devotions, and it doesn't even last me to lunch, much less lasting me through the day. We are able to cleverly delude ourselves whenever we hear something from God and then promptly forget it. Verses 23 and 24, James goes on, says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, they're like a person who looks intently at their natural face in a mirror. They look at themselves and go away and at once forget what they were like. That, um, that term for intently looking at their natural face, that's not just like, like you look at the mirror and you, you run on. That actually is a word that, that means that you have gazed, you've actually meditated, you've looked seriously into the mirror. And this is what we look like so often 
in Bible studies, Sunday morning church, you look around, you think everybody is just so intently paying attention. It looks like on our face that we are soaking this in. And then the amen is said, and it's gone, completely vaporized. We can look and feel spiritual as cognitive disciples. But that is delusional discipleship if we do not do something about what we have heard from God. So here's my theory. And this is, this is my personal experience and my failure, okay? My theory is if we don't resolutely decide we will always do something every time we hear God's word, our default will be that we will do nothing when we hear God's word. If we don't resolutely decide, make a commitment that whenever I hear God's word, I will do something. If we don't make that commitment, the default will be that we will do nothing when we hear God's word. And we will be delusional disciples. But there's an alternative that James wants us to see. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in their doing. A couple interesting phrases in verse 25. First of all, the perfect law. What's James talking about with the perfect law? It actually parallels up above in the earlier verses where he's talked about the word, the logos. The perfect law is referred to throughout the scriptures uh, as God's will for us, not just not just reading scripture, certainly God's word, but God's will and God's ways, the ways of Jesus Christ are perfect and complete. There's nothing lacking. We don't have to go find something else to add into it. God's will and ways and word are absolutely perfect. Reminds us of Romans chapter 12, right? Of how we we are to to be transformed by the renewing of our, our minds so that we may know the perfect, pleasing will of God. But then James goes on, he says, it's not just the the perfect law of God. He has another phrase there, he says, it's the perfect law of God that gives liberty, that gives freedom. And and when I think of of that, that gazing into the perfect will of God and how, how there is a, not just a spiritual freedom, but a spiritual freedom that leads to our thriving as human beings. There is a liberty from the truths of God that changes us and enables us to then be an agent for good and for others to thrive as well. It enables us to stand against injustice and to do something about the kinds of things that, that anger the heart of God. There is a freedom that, that not just contributes to our thriving, but contributes to our doing good in the world. And, and so I just went through and I started looking for scriptures that talked about this liberty and freedom that we have. You know most of them. John chapter 8, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then he goes on to say, if the Son has set you free, then you are truly, you really are free indeed. 2 Corinthians 3.17, the Lord is spirit And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Acts 13.39, through Christ Jesus, everyone who believes is free from every sin. 
Sin no longer has to control it. We can step into sin, but we no longer have to be in bondage to our sins. Romans 8, 2 says the same thing through Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Hebrews 2, 15. Because of Jesus Christ, we're, fear, we're free from the fear of death. Colossians 1, 22. That we are, because we're recon- reconciled to Christ, we are free from every accusation, which reminds us of Romans chapter 8. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are free from shame and condemnation in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3 says that in Christ we are able to approach God with freedom and confidence. We never have to be embarrassed to come into the... No matter how messed up we've gone, no matter how far we've gone, we never have to be afraid to come to God because in Christ we can approach God with freedom and and confidence. Romans 8.21 calls it the glorious freedom of the children of God. And Ephesians 5.1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. All right, so we have access to the perfect word and will and ways of God and Jesus Christ that give glorious freedom. Isn't it sad then? when we trade that in for trinkets? Isn't it sad when we neglect what is given to us for our well-being and our thriving to settle for what? Another toy? Another accomplishment? Another catalog? Isn't it sad to lose out on what God is just trying to pour into us because of Jesus and James says there are three things we're supposed to do with the law, the perfect law of God that gives liberty. And these are pretty important, okay? Three things we're supposed to do. First of all, he says we are to look into the perfect law that gives freedom. Same word as up above, that person who looks into the mirror and they're seriously contemplating. Same word. James wants us to seriously to, and the word is actually an interesting word. It's a word that, that, that connotes kind of straining, and, and in, in many places it's used when somebody stoops down to look for something that's on the ground, and they stoop down so they can see it clearly. So a straining to look into and see and grasp what this is, even to meditate on it and reflect on it. James says the first thing that we're supposed to do is have that attitude towards the perfect law of God that gives liberty. If we're casual about it, if we never look into the perfect law of God that lives, gives liberty, except in a sermon or except when somebody else brings it up, if we never intentionally make the choice that we will strain to look into the perfect word and will and ways of God in Christ, if we're casual about it, we will not be free. We will find that the world, the flesh, and the devil will keep on enslaving us and tripping us up. And I want to encourage us at Cornerstone, because here's the, one of the dirty little secrets in the church today, and it's not just your generation, it's not a generational thing. One of the dirty little secrets in the church is how little we are opening the Bible from week to week. We all have Bibles, but what we're finding when we're honest with each other is we, we report how little we actually 
pick it up and open it and try to reflect upon it. Can we make a commitment at Cornerstone to a recommitment to gaze intently into the perfect law of God that gives liberty? Can we, can we consider that our day is not complete until we have in some way meditated on the truths of God so that they will start to shape our lives? Um, I, I think I mentioned, oh, this wasn't this group, a different group I was with um, that had kids. I mentioned to them about a month ago how many children are more discipled by Disney than they are by Jesus anymore because their parents have never gazed intently into the perfect law of God. And so what happens is the culture takes over and then disciples our children. Can we make a commitment that our day is not complete until we have reflected on the truths of God? And you know what? It doesn't matter how you do it. All right? If you're a reader, open your Bible and read it, but then reflect on it afterwards. If you, if you absorb better by listening, then, then get the Bible on your phone and listen to it on the phone. If you are at the point where you're really helped by reading other devotional um, writers who will open up script, then do that. I don't care how you do it. There's no rules. Probably one of the rules is don't try to do it the same way forever for too long because then, again, you get bored and you stop doing it. doesn't matter how you do it. Can you make a commitment that says, I will gaze intently into the word and will and ways of God every single day. All right, secondly, James says that we're supposed to persevere in the perfect law of God that gives liberty. Two aspects of the persevering. Um, It's the same root word that Jesus uses in John 15 when Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you. So one part of persevering is that, that when we look intently into the word, we don't just... When, when we get done, we don't just close it up and forget about it. We actually abide with it through our day. So one of the goals when we are looking intently in the word is, is we're saying, Father, what do you want me to take from this into the rest of my day until I come back and look into your perfect will again tomorrow? So part of abiding is 24-7 staying connected with God at what God has revealed to you. But the second part of abiding has to do with, with that persevering, when things get tough, when life gets confusing, when, when your dreams come crashing down, when you're wounded, when you're lonely, when you're tired, when you're whatever it is, there's an element of persevering in the perfect law of God that stays with a long obedience in the same direction. Because you know it's true. We don't prove that our faith is strong when everything's going great. We prove that our faith is strong when we're confused and when we don't know what's going on. And James says he wants us to persevere in that perfect law of God that gives liberty even when things get tough. And this is one of those areas where, where it would be behoove us to be devoted to Christian community because there have been times in my life when things got tough and I wanted to throw in the towel, or I wanted to wander from the Lord. There have been times when I've been, and my friends have been more committed to my transformation and my spiritual journey than me. When things get tough, man, you've got to have people around you to link arms and pull you through. All right, which leads to the third thing that James wants us to do with the perfect law of God that gives us liberty. Listen to James 1.25 again. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, And perseveres, we covered that, 
being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, will be blessed in their doing. And so here's one of the rules. I think for the rest of our lives, whenever we, we hear anything from God, the rule is we always ask, what am I going to do with this? Because if we don't ask that question and we don't do something, then we are going to be back to being delusional disciples. Every time, whether it's a sermon, whether it's a scripture reading, whether it's a devotional, whether it's something we've heard on a a podcast of a sermon, every single time we hear anything from, from God and his word and his will and his ways and of Jesus Christ, we always ask, what will I do with this? Even secular learning theorists know, and they keep saying, if you don't do anything with what you hear, it's not going to change your life. So the scripture is just telling us what we already know. If we do not do something with what we hear, then we will be deluded. The only way to grow is to make a commitment to be doers who act. So I want to encourage you, never listen to another sermon for the rest of your life without asking yourself, what am I going to do about this? Uh, you don't have to do it that day, but usually it's a good idea to get it started right away. What are you going to do either that day or that week to respond to what you heard? Every time you open the scriptures, ask yourself, what am I going to do with this? So I am not a hearer who forgets, but I am a doer who acts. And did you catch the, the blessing at the end of James one twenty five? Not hearers who forget, but doers who act will be blessed. And James uses the same word that Jesus uses in the Beatitudes. James is saying, blessed are those who are doers who act upon what they hear from God. So, I have to tell you that probably nothing has shaped my Christian character more than the decision to do, to respond, to practice anything that I can do when I hear from God. So early in my college and university years, I actually had a commitment to read the word of God and reflect on it at least five times a week. So I was at Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois, and there was a little chapel up in the student center. Five days a week, I was there. And the reason I know that, because I wouldn't remember that, is I have the journals of my prayers trying to read and reflect on the word of God and ask, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? The scriptures encourage us. They command us, do not neglect gathering together with other Christians. For five decades, over five decades of my life, I have had a spiritual practice of getting together with other Christians to hear the word of God preached, to praise God with them on, in weekly worship. I've got to tell you, that has shaped my life incredibly because every week of my life, almost every week of my life, I have been in a place where the word has been presented and we've been encouraged to respond to the word of God. It was while I was a kind of 